Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today, we're going to talk about the topic of show calf care, in particular, thinking about some things we need to be aware of as we take these animals on the road this summer, going to progress shows, county fairs, breed association shows, just some things that as uh, producers, as youth, we need to make sure we know and understand so that we can protect the health of those animals, but also the health of the animals we have back at home. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Lindsay Walker-Mead, who's a veterinarian and also a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Aaron. Well, as we record this podcast, we're sitting here in early June, and there's a lot of breed association shows, things like that, getting ramped up as we head into summer. Talk through with us some things we need to think about in terms of health and care of animals as we're transporting them and also going to these different shows, but also things to be aware of as we bring them back home to make sure we're not bringing something home that could infect the rest of the animals we have that are part of our operation there. Yeah, definitely. So as we speak, you know, my children are getting ready to head to the Nebraska State Red Angus Junior Show. So I I live this um, often and and I enjoy it, but it's it doesn't necessarily what we talk about today doesn't necessarily need to just be limited to show calf care. This really can affect all, you know, all uh, animals, all cattle. So it just kind of take take each information that we take and you can apply it to whatever situation you're in. But what I wanted to start with, you kind of had mentioned about protecting our show animals, but also protect when we come back home. And that is really important too. So specifically, let's start with just a few disease concerns that come up when I'm thinking about taking my cattle on the road. You know, anytime you're around different animals that they're not used to, there's always a chance that you're going to pick something up. But there's about two things that, that come to mind right away that will stop you from entering a show ring. The first one would be warts. Warts are not, you know, it's this isn't like a high morbidity. This isn't something that they get super sick off of. But there is potential that if you do get a severe case, you know, you can have some long-term consequences from warts. And the other reason is that it's highly contagious. So uh, warts, it's a virus that can affect all cattle. But it specifically, you know, we really see it in these young calves whose immune systems may not be as up to date as those older cattle that are in our herd. Like I had said, it is very contagious, so it can be spread on things, anything that that animal touches. So specifically, when we're talking about a show animal, that can be uh, halters, uh, clippers, brushes, those types of things. But also when you relate it back to your herd, if you have a wart issue, like a herd that's endemic and you have a problem, you might notice if you're doing tattooing. So the tattoo pliers can carry that wart virus. And also implant guns. So if you've ever noticed if you're implanting a group of calves and then you come back and you see a little wart right on the ear, you're just basically inoculating those animals all the way through with that. And then the other thing, too, is fence lines. So it can survive on fence lines, bunk lines, those types of things. So inoculation, which would be just the time period from when they are exposed to it till you'll actually see that virus um, show up as a clinical sign, can be anywhere from one to six months after they've been exposed. So that's important to remember if you're taking calves you know, if you're going to a fall early uh, prospect steer show or something and there's a potential that they get exposed there, they may not even show up until like the next summer when you're heading out to maybe some, you know, county fair or something like that. So it does take a little bit of time potentially. So 
um, just being cautious of having that around. And, and that's another reason why if you have active warts and you have them on your animals, that's going to stop you from entering the show ring for the potential of spreading it to someone else. The next one would be ringworm. So again, it's another one of those doesn't have a high morbidity. We don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of major health concerns on it. But it is, a, again, a highly contagious fungus. So we've all seen those crusty, hairless lesions. Usually happens around the face or the head. Can, again, happen if you have it in, across your herd. You might notice it if you're bringing heifers home, you know, around weaning time, um, trying to background some animals that might be when they break with it, whenever they're stressed or their immune system is a little uh, compromised. Same thing as warts. It's spread animal to animal and those fomites. And fomites, again, are just the things that that animal touches. So halters, clippers, uh, fence lines, bunk lines, this is one that can live in your environment for quite a long time. So you might see that come back around too. But the the number one reason we bring up ringworm and the number one reason why it shouldn't, you, you, you know, that should stop you from going into the show ring would be because this is a zoonotic condition. So again, remember zoonotic just means that there's a potential to spread from that disease from the cattle to the people. And especially when we're talking about um, junior shows and children, you know, they're going to be a more susceptible population because just their immune system, again, is not as is not as um, up to date as an older person. And so we don't want to be spreading. You know, it, it's really important that we don't want to spread it from animal to animal, but we definitely don't want to take an animal that has an active ringworm lesion and take it to a show and then end up giving it to someone else's child. So that's really important to um if you have an active case that that's going to stop you from entering that show ring. So you mentioned warts. Is there anything we could do? I'm just thinking about folks who you talk about a one to six month incubation time. That's such a long period of time. Yeah, It's going to be really hard to even know perhaps where did I pick that up? Yeah. Um, what can we do as far as maybe vaccinations or is there any way to prevent that from uh, showing up? So there are wart vaccines, and that's something you can discuss with your veterinarian. If you know the the efficacy and and if it's right for your herd, um, you can do that. Sometimes people will do some uh, things such as uh, squeezing them, so that actually does work if you if you kind of break them off a little bit because you will kind of stimulate that virus. But again, just talk to talk to your veterinarian and see what that can do. But a vaccine plan would be good if if you have a a serious problem with it in your herd. And then you mentioned ringworm as well, and that being you know, contagious, highly contagious. As we think about visiting with our veterinarian and just what are some management practices to re reduce the risk of spreading that if we do see it uh, in our herd? The best thing to do is you don't want to, I know isolating cattle is not the best thing because they need to be with someone else. But if you have a show pen that, that potentially has, you know, one or two animals in it, that that's where they live in, you don't want to put any other cattle in that area. And this, again, goes back to the how do you protect your herd when we're traveling? If we go somewhere and we come back and we're doing this often, I, you, de you definitely want to have an isolated area where your show calves live and they stay in their own, basically their own quarantine section and they don't, they don't, they don't intermingle with the rest of your herd. So if you have an active lesion, it, the, the good thing about ringworm is it's self-limiting, which just means that it just runs its course and then it should go away. Um, but you just have to be patient. So it, the, the unfortunate part is that, you know, if it shows up right before a big show, it's just kind of one of those things that when you're showing cattle that you have to think about that it's there. There are some some tips and tricks in a lot of the the show world. Um, you know, they'll have different conversations about it. But ultimately, talk to your veterinarian on ways to um, help 
maybe help heal that quicker potentially. But the number one thing would be to keep them isolated from anyone else, especially if you have other herd animals at home. One of the things that comes to mind for me is that livestock trailer. Uh, we're hauling cattle to the show with that trailer and also probably hauling cattle to pasture or other things. What are some things we need to think about with that in terms of disinfecting and and making sure we reduce the risk that that could be a vector to transfer disease? Yeah, definitely. So anytime you, you just always want to maintain biosecurity in anything that you're you're touching, you know, that goes anywhere from your boots that you wear to uh, the trailer tires as you go. So whenever you come back, you know, you want to make sure that you clean out that trailer really well. And especially in the, you know, if you're, if you're taking out the same, the same trailer to go to taking pears to grass this summer and then going to a show the next week, you know, you're going to want to clean that trailer anyway, because you want to, your tack is going to go on there and you're not going to want to be in all that manure that's there. But in addition to just being messy, I mean, you want to, like you had said, you want to prevent anything from taking to a show where there's potential that if, you know, you, if you have something, you don't want to be one that spreads it. But also if you pick something up when you're at that show, when you come back, just making sure that you clean out your trailer really well, you know, power washing, it is good. You can go through some of those truck washes too, potentially, but just making sure that you keep biosecurity in mind. And across, you know, everything that we've talked about here, that's, you kind of think about, if you bring in a group of heifers, say to your ranch, you know, it's a it's a best management practice to go ahead and quarantine those animals for a certain amount of time to see if there is any sort of disease process that might come up before you introduce them to your herd. So you have that same thought process when you're talking about show animals, because you're always going to kind of be in your own little mini quarantine area. So when you go to a show, you want to keep to yourself, keep your animal, you know, and in, in your area as best as you can. Don't share tack. Try to limit, you know, d- don't share feed sources, those types of things. But then also when you come back to to your to your farm or your ranch, that they go back to their area and they don't commingle with the rest of your herd. As you think about setting up, I'd say an isolation area, and you mentioned that a couple times. Give us some practical tips in terms of what does that look like. How do we set that up to have something that's functional but also fits with the rest of the operation? Well, that's going to be really specific, obviously, to each operation, but things you want to consider, things can still spread nose to nose. Things can be aerosolized, especially respiratory diseases. So trying to limit nose to nose contact is going to be best. You obviously want to make sure that it's something that's easy for you to get to. You know, in in my situation, I've got sometimes I have my seven year old out there. And so I want to make sure that she's safe if she's going to be feeding the the heifers. Um, but just so that, you know, it's easy for you to get to or your children to get to, but that also you do have that kind of a little barrier space around the, where the rest of your cattle are, just so that you don't have that nose to nose contact to prevent that. Well, it is summer and we haven't seen high temperatures here in the central part of Nebraska yet, but it is going to be coming and heat stress is a major issue as we think about transporting cattle to shows, bringing them back. What are some things to pay attention to with that? Yes. Yeah, so that is another concern. Definitely. Heat stress is is very real and we see it. I see it more often than I'd like to, especially in show cattle. A lot of times these calves are, especially if you have a steer, you're talking about high weight, ready to be finished. Some of those guys might live in, you know, pampered coolers or something, and they're not used to being out if it is hot. So just the basic clinical signs for heat stress in an animal would be panting if they're open mouth breathing. So they just have that open drooling, slobbering, foaming at the mouth. Um, You know, it could even go as severe as they're incoordinated or they're a little um, 
wobbly, you know, those are things where we have a major concern and we need to, we need to intervene, obviously, before we see those clinical signs. But if we're seeing those, then we need to be doing something about it. So it's really important to understand what to watch for and then also what weather situations you're going to need to really to be concerned about. So the one thing to pay attention to would be called the, the temperature heat index. And so that takes into account temperature and humidity together. It's a little formula that does that. I, I believe there is a chart actually on the beef.unl.edu website if you just Google heat stress in cattle, but it'll tell you that number and they categorize it from, you know, concerned, dangerous to emergency. And just for an example, the emergency heat index would be greater than the number 84. And what that means when they calculate that, if you have an 84, that would be if it was 90 degrees outside with a 60% humidity. And, you know, that that happens a lot. That's not uncommon. So understanding what each day is going to bring and also if there's any sort of wind or, you know, if, if it's high humidity and no wind, we're going to have a problem. So how to intervene with that is really important. So ways to control that heat stress, especially if you've got these long haired show calves that are living in coolers and you're taking them out on the road. Um, you want to be aware that they need to have shade. They need to be under their fans constantly. Um, you want to limit the amount of time that you're traveling and transporting. And that can become challenging. I realize if you're, especially if you're going, you know, halfway across the, the country to go to a national show. So you might want to plan your travel time you know, an overnight type travel. So early morning hours are going to be better before 10 a.m. Um, definitely that's going to be a better time to be working or moving cattle. And then another option, we even had this at our county fair last year, we have just metal top buildings with just open sides and it was, the heat index was definitely above 84. So we took sprinkler hoses and ran them across and wet down the buildings so that the water would just kind of run down to try and create some cooling. And it did, it did help, but trying to be, you know, really aware of what each day-to-day -day situation is, limiting the amount of time that you're transporting them and then how to intervene to prevent that heat stress from happening is really important. One of the other things you talk about is the need to make sure you have a good veterinarian client patient relationship, especially as it relates to transporting these animals. Talk through with us some important things to make sure you have a conversation with, with your veterinarian and also make sure you have your paperwork in order as you get ready to go to a show. Yes. Yeah, so um, a certificate of veterinary inspection, a CVI or a health paper is really important and required, uh, especially if you're crossing state lines. So anytime you import cattle into another state, each state is going to have their own regulations as to what they require. Some of them might just be that you've had a physical exam of that animal by a an accredited veterinarian. And accredited means, you know, you have to, we have to go through and take different types of modules to become USDA accredited to say that we, uh, you know, we understand disease potential and risks and we have that certification. So then you can write a health paper for these animals. So if you're going to another state that potentially might require things like TB or BVD testing, each, each one's going to be different when you're importing and your veterinarian will know that. So that's why you need to make sure that you have, you know, your appointment with your veterinarian with plenty of time before you travel. So it's not a good idea to just get that, you know, if you're driving by on your way out of town and you think you'll just stop by and get it, that, that's really not the best use of, of timing because potentially if there is something extra like a BVD test, you know, that's going to take time and around time. And so you may not have that health paper in hand when you cross the state lines. The other thing is that health papers are good for 30 days. So you could get that, you know, you can get that before 
you would travel most most health papers. Now I should clarify some again, states might be different, but but again, talking to your veterinarian with plenty of time to get that done is important. And then the other part of it is depending on what show you go to, they may have a different requirement. So there's there's state import requirements and there's also show requirements. So knowing both of those will be helpful uh, when you when you talk to your veterinarian and you schedule that appointment because they will have to have or your health paper, they will have to have your address and the location of where your animals are going, and then also identification. And, and the majority of time, those need to be something that is accredited, such as an EID or a tattoo. Um, but those need to be in place so that we can follow those animals, um, you know, wherever they would go in case there was some some sort of outbreak somewhere. Then there then there is something to trace back and we could, you know, we can make sure that we know where all animals are at at all times. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight today? We talked about the veterinarian, but it's sometimes shows will have an on-call veterinarian as well. So, you know, things happen depending on what it is. You can plan for the plan for the worst, hope for the best. But having that emergency idea in mind, having the, the number of your veterinarian and or understanding who the on-call veterinarian is of your show and just being prepared. And then obviously have fun. You know, I mean, we do this. It's it's a lot of work, but it, it definitely is a lot of reward, too. So just enjoy this show season and um, have a good time. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Well, for more information on animal health-related topics specific to beef cattle, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find more information on these topics.